Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operando Brewing. Based in Sydney's northern beaches at Monavale, the Bavay is in fine craft beer. Be sure to check them out online and get your order in, also available at all leading retailers. Now, it's been a long time between listens for this podcast. Unfortunately, the world is in the grip of a global pandemic by the name of COVID-19, which has had an impact on all of our lives, and particularly us rugby tragics with the Shoot Shield not having getting going. We should be sitting here talking about the upcoming weekend fixtures for round six, but the season is yet to kick off. Thankfully, it looks like uh, with the lifted restrictions in Sydney, we have a season we can plan for commencing on the 25th of July, which is exciting news for all the players, coaches, and fans of the competition. And certainly exciting for this podcast. It means we can start getting some content in and start uh, aiming for that kickoff date. So without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode with our friends from Eastern Suburbs to talk me through with all things that are happening at Wallara. We'll be joined by the East head coach, Paulie Arce Tomopiao. So welcome back, everybody. Sit back and relax. This is Shootcast. All right. Welcome to Shootcast Episode 2. Joining me on the line is Paulie Arce Tomopiao, head coach of Eastern Suburbs Rugby Union, the Beasties. Paulie, thanks for joining all good, mate. Excited to be on. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you uh, joining the program. Mate, 2020, um, very odd year. You're the first person I've talked to in the Shoot Shield space about um, this COVID-19 world that we live in. Obviously, Eastern Suburbs uh, coming off a couple very strong seasons, um, by all accounts preparing for a very, very big season this year and hasn't quite got off uh, to the start we all expected with... Uh, across the board. Um, how's it sort of been at your club going through this uh, this whole process? Uh, yeah, it's just been a little bit of uh, navigating and sort of testing and finding out things that work and don't work. Um, it's been a lot of collaboration with different coaches at the club and then even some other coaches as well uh, just mm-hmm. to see what they're going through and, you know, I've appreciated the openness and the honesty of, of, of other coaches and I was, I was lucky enough to go on a UK trip uh, at the end of last year and so yeah, I'd heard that. Keep, yeah. yeah so keeping keeping in contact with uh, with the Saracens guys and just asking them what they're up to and they were exactly the same you know you yeah. normally when you try and find help from above you you expect answers and they're like mate <laughs> We got no idea. We, um, you know, just Zoom calls and this and that. But yeah, it was mm. all the same. Yeah, it's been a fluid situation, hasn't it? I mean, everything just seems to change week on week, and I think people starting in society get their head around it. But um, look, Shoot Shield has has put a start date to place, the twenty fifth of July. It must give you some comfort that you got something to aim for now. That that, that was the biggest thing. It was um, it, it was becoming difficult to motivate the players to continue to do exercises and challenges when there wasn't a date that we could work towards. Yeah. And, you know, we're finding it difficult to, you know, manage loading and and, and, and whatnot. But once we got the July 25, it immediately changed the tone of what we we're trying to do. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was great to finally get a date. Um, there were Zoom calls and texts going around everywhere throughout the club, but 
just to get that clarity gives us something that we can work towards. And straight away, we gave them there in the middle of a two-week holiday period at the moment. We're sort of giving them mm-hmm. some, some, some time off before we uh, come back into a 10-week block. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, obviously, every club's got their different approaches and obviously us out here now in the rugby public not privy to that. Have the players been given their own program to sort of keep going and, and they're checking in and how you're monitoring that and, and things like that? Yeah, so I think most clubs are, are, are doing the same thing where they've continued to monitor players. The Where it's different is how often players and coaches are talking. So sometimes it's you know, at, at the end of the week where they log in or their activity. Uh, in our case, it's um, as you go. So we have a, a Monday activity, Wednesday, and then a Saturday. Uh, yeah. And so we just work on WhatsApp. And on those particular days, the chat group just lights up. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so we have our SNC that gives them um, a bit of a preview of what the week's going to look like on the Sunday and then we touch base to them on Monday, Wednesday, Saturday and try and get some banter going. Absolutely. Now, East, obviously, um, last couple of years, under your stewardship, have started having some, some very strong seasons. It's clearly that the club's got an appetite to push hard in this competition. You've got a, a good, a good strong squad at your disposal. I guess the headspace of the club for this year was uh, quite aspirational. Yeah, we've always been that way. I think we've, all, I, I, you know, I just think whilst I was with, involved with Colts that our first grade's always underachieved and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the line of thinking for me was if I ever got the opportunity, the first thing was to, you know, try and get the players to believe what their potential or what their full potential was and then try and get there. So, even when I took over in 2018, I was careful with the language at the board or any press release was that there wasn't going to be any rebuilding. Like I thought we had everything we needed to do something special. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously I would like to think that from that season we've been able to add or the coaching has gotten a little bit better that, you know, every year that, that, that we're alive in this competition or every year that we turn up to play that our chances of, doing something special that we haven't done uh, for a long time improves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess you look at that uh, first grade premiership, last one was 1969, so last season clicking over 50 years, so it's, it's a fair drought. Yeah, it is. A, it's, it's an amazing drought given the, you know, given the names that have played yep. at the club. Um, you know, there's some there have been some pretty special, you know, teams and even some special seasons. There was a season where... You know, we went through unbeaten until a semi-final, uh, and then we we're out. You know, so it's like being a manly fan, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so turn that into a fine art. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know, it's just, um, you know, but yeah, the, recently we've um, we haven't had the taste of success like we had in the past, and so it's been nice to get the, you know, to 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 have the boys playing some playoff footy and. Now, certainly, I feel the expectation is that uh, we certainly should be pushing for top four or you know making semi-finals, which is which is nice pressure to have after being thought of not much recently. Yeah, and I guess you know success is outside of first grade as well. You've always considered yourself very much as a, as a club coach, which is very visible from the outside, and the club is having a lot of success across the board. I I note last year you're in. 
out of eight of the nine grades in the finals and um, you're nicking premierships now and lower grades, won one in second grade a couple of seasons ago, nearly, nearly won it again this year, uh, last year rather, and a couple of Colts premierships last season. So the club's clearly in a good space across the board. Yeah, I think it's important um, to have that. It, I mean, whilst I, I have that outlook and, and I like that because I, I like this sort of family environment, it's also written in the job description that I am a club coach, you know, yeah, so you need to make sure that you that you answer to that. But I like that that's the way that the club want me to perform my job because um, it can get toxic, mate, I, th- I think, um, yeah. you know, if you're just one team focused. So. I'm happy that that's the focus of the club, and yeah, it's 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 a good place to be around. Yeah, I think lots of clubs have gone in and out of that that toxicity around focus on first grade because it is such a premier division in a wider community organisation. And I think you know certainly a lot of clubs are working out like you know the most successful club in our competition has been Sydney Uni, and they've now the club championship down to fine art, and they seem to go hand in hand with. Uh, mm. With first grade premierships, but um, yeah. you know the more the more teams. You know, Ringo said some very strong years, and Norse in twenty sixteen. You know that they they polled their best club championship um, totals mm. in those seasons as well. So it seems to have that that effect across the club. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I find it to be a healthy place when everyone's sort of thriving. Um, you know, rather than just twenty blokes, it's nice to have a hundred hundred plus guys walk in there and sort of have a a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, look, it's quite visible from the rest of the competition. These are uh, running like a really well-oiled machine at the moment. You know, they've had their new ground redevelopment and uh, just a certain look of professionalism across the board from, from on and off the field. So obviously you've got some good synergy with the likes of John Murray and the board and general management. So you're all sort of hopefully singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, we're well led by John and you know, he's really well uh, supported by Campbell and there's a clear vision from the board level. And, um, yeah, there's it's, John's an innovator, I, I feel. Yeah. He has a lot of ideas and which works well with Campbell, you know, and I think uh, they work, you know, hand-in-hand together. And I think uh, where the club is is a reflection of their leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you've come from a unique position of quite a few titles in the club, uh, not just on the field, but off the field. You've been the general manager of the club uh, in the past? Yeah, so at East, we, we split the general manager role into two. So there's the uh, sponsorship side of it, which is yeah. and that person holds that title. And then the rugby side of it uh, is we've just said that they're the rugby operation. So I've had that role uh I, I had that role for a few years and and that was awesome i really really liked that and even now i still hold on to some jobs from that because i um i think it's important for a, a head coach at this level to sort of understand what the back end looks like you know Absolutely. it's not a case of um you know how, how does rego get paid and how does it get collated and uh if someone has to pay in installments understanding how that it's just not it's not easy as like yeah mate mm. just pay 20, 20 a month like it's it's got to go to an excel sheet and you know um so i like that yeah it certainly gives you a good grounding for, for your position and understanding the, the different perspectives that go in with your um with your squad at the moment you've obviously got quite a number of uh, players in representative duties um Obviously, it's a blessing to have a player of a strong standard, but you'd agree sometimes assimilating a number of players into your first-grade squad, chopping and changing, particularly 
coming into finals is difficult to sort of generate momentum and maintain cohesion. Have you, have you found some of those challenges um, evident the last few seasons? Yeah, definitely, especially especially when the Super Rugby season's still going. Um, yeah. Obviously, and quite rightly, they don't want to be playing. Like they, they'd rather be wearing the Sky Blue jersey that weekend, not sort of the tricolours, right? And so yeah. sometimes having to deal with you know, them on a Thursday night um, and, and everything, all their emotions are accepted and understood. You know, it's never just, mate, you've got to get over it and, you know, you're, you're playing yeah. with us now. But, yeah, so, sometimes it's it's evident when they walk in on, on, on Thursday, you can see they're disappointed. Sometimes the Tars tell them late, yeah. you know, that's the other thing. You know, I say, look, how are you feeling? They go, I'm mad and just got told at lunchtime or, you know, whatever that is. So they're going through that uh, that personal journey. But when the super season's finished and then I get them for that block at the end, I find that they are magnificent. Like I'm really lucky with the with the group that I've got. And I think that was evident when we got them the back end of 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had a couple of them come in and out during the season and they were terrible. There was a game where I had to, I had to pull two of my super rugby guys off. Mm. I just didn't think they were doing the right thing. And then when we got them at the block post-TARS season, I thought they were fantastic. Absolutely. Well, it's talking of last year, you, and you guys um, hit the ground at a million miles an hour, one of the better performances we've seen in the comp uh, in recent years that you win at university. But, um, you know, certainly a lot of people, uh, myself, have blown away with how good you guys were that day. But obviously it was always round one. It was difficult to ma- manage that. And then you sort of, ebbed and flowed throughout the season and started building some good momentum into the finals. But then you had the, the groundhog day uh, double against Eastwood, which is always difficult playing the same team twice, particularly backing up after a really good win. Um, is your reflections on last season and obviously disappointing uh, going out in the way you did um, against Eastwood? Yeah, it was disappointing to not progress. Oh, it was disappointing not to win the thing, right? Like I wanted to yeah, win of the course. huge shield. but. It, it was disappointing not to have progressed from the season before, from 2018. Um, I mean, we rose one position on the ladder, but then we exited exactly the same week uh, in in the playoffs. And so that was disappointing, um, you know, for many reasons. And then on top of that, we had, you know, Tim Buchanan, who was a really important member of our, of our club. Uh, we would have liked to have sent him off. Uh, you know, under better circumstances, that because he had finished after that game. Sure, but yeah, it was a really weird season. We, you know, like you said, we started really well against Sydney University, but we, you know, we didn't kid ourselves. We didn't think that we had played the best. Uh, I thought Mac got us, you know, some lucky tries, and it, it was always. It, it was always the plan to sort of pull some width. It wasn't the plan to sort of kick there. Uh, Mac just sort of did that on his own. Mm. And then the next three weeks was just just really weird, right? So week two, we got pumped at home against Warringah. Yeah. And then we came up to Manly and we thought, right, we know exactly what happened last week against Rats, so we're not going to do that this week. And then, you know, we... We lost to a good manly side, but we had our opportunity to win at the end. Yeah, that was the Easter weekend game. Yeah, and then uh, the Randwick game was terrible. It was a cut and paste or copy and paste from the from the year before where we started really well, and then our second half was, was just terrible. And mm. um, 
we had a bit of a meeting post Randwick in the change room. It was just a what's going on type of moment, you know, and it was it was fairly honest, but it was really simple where we had a lot of new guys, you know, and we had Sam Shires, who's a manly guy, who was who was our captain. Yeah. And it, the theme was that, you know, we weren't as tight as the year before, uh, that we had some new guys in and out. And so that – solely that lands right on my shoulders, you know, that I didn't somehow prepare these guys to get to know each other a little bit better. I definitely thought that they would do that on their own. Um, But that's something that I've learned and it's something that I've done this year was to make sure that the off-field stuff um, that we were doing together wasn't all just rugby, that, um, that we had some team building activities as well hope and hoping to build that you know camaraderie yeah that's certainly that like the, the, the way people sort of viewing coaching now it's more of that management style rather than the hands-on coaching is left to the more specialist roles where you you know we don't maybe have that luxury at shoot shield you got to do it all and then you know certainly guys these days it's uh you've always got to check in on headspace everyone's very sort of um mindful of uh, where guys heads are at so how do you sort of handle those conversations with these these younger guys and thinking about sort of rugby and, and obviously you've got super guys and people going through all various stages of life. Yeah, so any time I sit down with a player one-on-one, um, you know, to sort of backtrack a bit, I never wanted to be a coach and so I, I didn't look, I, I, I didn't have any, you know, coaching mentors or I didn't really ask. It was just he said, you know, we really want you to come on board and, you know, and run our Colts program. And so all of a sudden I had to find, you know, who am I going to try and be like? And mm. so it might sound corny, but the only people that I thought, you know, if I run this East thing like they ran what they did, mm. I'd, I'd be happy. And it was just my parents. Yeah. And so early on I thought I'm not going to ask the players to do anything that I'm not going to ask my son you know, to, to do right. So I'm only ever going to say things that I would say to my son. And that's how I deal with it. Um, it. you know, whenever we have one-on-one conversations, whether it be with, you know, my wallaby Jack Maddox or, you know, a fourth grader who's in fifth grade, you know, the week before, if there's ever a one-on-one chat, it would, it would, I'd always remind myself is that if this was my son sitting opposite me, what is the advice that I would tell him to try and overcome whatever it is um, that they're going through. So um, how, how are you seeing sort of the shoot-shoot at the moment? Obviously, um, have East Desire sort of springboarded with the rest of the competition throughout this sort of great era that we've had, you know, with the grand finals at North Sydney Oval and, and wanting to sort of be a part of that? I mean, not that any season's any different across the history of the competition, but certainly had that renewed flavour and sort of talk us through how you're seeing the competition and the other clubs uh, at the moment. Yeah, it seems to be getting tighter and tighter. I think um, you can just see with the different programs that each club board, um, you know, is getting in by way of the coaches that they're that they're hiring. Obviously, now you add Darren Coleman over at uh, Gordon. You know, Gordon, now yeah. there's a you know there's now a, a, a bottom six team that's rising up, and you've yeah. got Todd Todd at Souths. You know, I mean, I was watching their social channels closely um, over the Christmas period and it was it was phenomenal you know they were talking about GPS units and you know and Todd would jump on and, and explain what they're doing and it was just um, 
you know, it's phenomenal. And I think, you know, and Ramwick as well, you know, Ramwick are heading that way with uh, Ben McCormack and it sounds like they're, they're trying to improve the, the grade program and, you know, make sure that it's, that it's got some continuation on from, from their cult success. But how I see it is that it's, it's just getting harder and harder. You know, when I was playing, there was at least four teams that weren't even, you just knew that all you had to do was just turn up. You know, and just go, look, we turn up today, we should be sweet. You know, give, but nowadays it's just. It's no easy games. Yeah, there's just no easy games, mate, you know, and yeah, and it's a testament to, to the competition. I think the competition demands that. Mm. And, you know, I, I love that each board uh, or each club, you know, has a board that envisages, like, right, we want to be a part of that. How do we be a part of that? You know, and let's and let's do it. Yeah, I think that's certainly the approach across the board. It's um, yeah, you're very right. It's certainly gone from a big four to a big six to a big eight, <laughs> maybe a big nine now. So it's just no easy games. You yeah. coaches look at the draw and I go, you know, where have I got a couple of soft weeks? And then they just don't exist. But you know, with the season coming up now, um, how is the squad looking? It's it's sort of interesting. You know, people at the initial onset of COVID worried about losing players, but now maybe people are sort of seeing Silver Linea might be retaining some some home-based players. How are you guys sort of in a rough capacity looking? I know it's still very early. Yeah, we haven't we haven't lost or gained, really. Mm. Um, yeah, we just sort of been – we had a couple of Kiwi guys who went home at the start of uh, the pandemic and, you know, I was in touch with one of them today and – you know, he thinks that he'll be able to, to, to get back over whatever the agreement is between us and New Zealand and our borders. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, we've been in a in a pretty lucky position where, you know, we haven't really lost, but and we haven't really gained anyone, you know, um, at the same time. But you know, there are clubs out there who have been, you know, affected by you know the the, the borders closing and any recruits that were planning on coming over sometimes there's an influx of the UK players coming over mid-season and so yeah I, I, I just don't see their borders opening to letting anyone no. leave yeah I agree uh, anytime soon yeah absolutely so you um, coming out of uh, school obviously you had a very sort of prominent schoolboy career and then um, you uh, went into sort of Sydney Uni early on in the Colts and then and then you've also ended ended up at East what are sort of some of the contrasts between those two clubs? Uh, you can maybe offer a bit of an insight. Um, just cultural, I think. You know, the the thing at Sydney Uni is that they, you know, I say we, there was just they just worked hard. You know, there was a real ethic of working. It was a real work ethic, you know. And when you had guys like Dan Vickerman and Phil War come back in, and they just do it like they wouldn't sit out. You know, if they if we had to train and then do a couple of hundreds, they they just get on with it. You know, yeah. and um, we had our team leaders. Like I was lucky enough to play under Tim Davidson. What a great leader he is! And so, and you know, he he never sits out of of anything. And you had Tom Carter pushing you. So they just had really strong leaders who did the work. Mm. And then it just seemed like when people came in from rep duties. They just fall into this uni way of this uni mentality of just we're just going to keep working, we're just going to keep working. You know, we will fit, get the basics right, and we're just going to we're just going to outwork these guys at the simple things. You know, there wasn't really anything 
like I didn't learn anything revolutionary at, at uni. All I knew was that you just had to work when you're on the ground, get up, go again. Yeah. Um, That's certainly that the is, way now, isn't it? They, they just yeah. assimilate. They assimilate into their side with much more ease than anyone else. Yeah, I agree. And I think – and then when I came to East, um, there was a little bit of a hangover from years beforehand. Like I, I feel I came in there and Lockie Fear was the first coach that I had at East and he certainly tried to turn things around, um, you know, in terms of culture. But there was uh, – there wasn't – I came in thinking – the reason why I went there is because my, my brother was there when I came back from Japan. Yeah. I was expecting – a more of a party scene than what I walked into, just because that's what you that's what you hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it wasn't that, but it's just hard to put my finger on what East was back then. I think it was a whole lot of different things, you know. And I think mm. that was part of our issues that we didn't have that identity. Mm. You know, like uh, Randwick have just got that identity they can fall back on. Uni have got theirs, and yeah, it was just really weird at, at, at East. There wasn't something that we could pin ourselves on. You seem to be trying to gear the club back towards that family orientation and, and holding these guys through cults, which is certainly uh, more likely the best way forward, you'd have to you'd have to think. Yeah, so I think, you know, no one's actually said this to me, but it's, it, it, it's, it's obvious that I think we were just following the lead of our nearest neighbours. Um, so obviously we were doing our thing and then Randwick all of a sudden did theirs. Mm. Um, they probably followed Sydney Uni, and it just if it if you looked around, it's like we're we're, we're not going to get anyone in the doors if you've got Ramwick running that top program and Sydney Uni running that program, and we're sort of in the same player pool. Yeah, and uh, that was that was the year, or that was what was explained to me without using those words when I retired in 2013. Uh, I just had a board member there say, "Look, this is our vision." Um, and, you know, we really want you to come on board. Uh, what do you think? You know, this is what we're trying to do. We want, we don't want to keep flying people in, um, first grade. We really want to, you know, build a good base and then have them, you know, elevate up. And, um, yeah, it seems to be, I, I think that's just the best way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd be seeing some of the kids that you're in charge of back in the Colts era coming through to grade now and, and well-established and obviously even the higher grades so you can see sort of some more regular names. I guess it's just trying to build up that core nucleus that's going to be there year in, year out and then hope you get some of the uh, bigger guns towards the end of the season, I guess. That's exactly it. That's exactly what you're trying to do, yeah, for sure. Because when I was playing at Ease, mm. like the team that we ran in at round one was usually our best team and it was yeah. just like, right, we we just got to manage injuries, and then you get to about round ten, and Manly would get their guys, Uni would get their guys, and Randwick would get, and we're just like, man, you know, there's just, um, you know, there's sort of no one coming in. So you're right, if you could have that base that's with you, and then you can have a couple of guys that drop in, uh, just to give you that little bit of a boost. I mean, we had Brendan McKibben who was fantastic, yeah, uh, but yeah, those sort of things help. Yeah, tell me a little bit about your your um, your upbringing, where you're born, and uh, and your and your introduction to rugby, and obviously uh, touching a little bit on um, maybe your time at Joey. So, so where 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 you grow up, Paulie? So I was born here in Sydney, yeah, and uh, lived in lived in Oatley. Uh, pretty much, like my parents are still there, and so yeah, 
Yeah, I spent all my junior years thinking that Oatley was this old town wanting to get out and then growing up having a family, I want to get back in there, but the house prices there are just too high. And so it's funny how things come around. But yeah, I was born in Sydney and um, just went to a public, just Oatley public school, played my junior footy. So that's, that falls in the Southern Districts area. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I played for Oatley Rugby Club and played the rep footy for, for, for Southern Districts. Mm. And then you ended up at St. Joseph's and obviously had some strong sort of formative years for your rugby career there. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was just, you know, big body, right? It was just the, that Polynesian, you know, playing against the private school kids. I think, um, yeah, it was lucky, but, you know, well, I th- that. I, I had the privilege of watching you as a fellow St. Joseph's player. You're more than a big body, mate. Now, don't, don't say yourself <laughs> short. Very skillful, uh, uh, very skillful number eight, that's for sure. You know, the, the Joey's experience was, was magical for me. Um, just by way of things that it's taught me, uh, you know, it, it, there were things that I did with the, or, or that Brother Anthony did with the team that I was playing in that I try and implement today. Um, you know, just little things like not going to warm up, yeah. like uh, just little things like that. I think there's little lessons there. But, yeah, the Joe's experience for many reasons is, was, was, uh, was very special. Yeah, he certainly got that aura about him, doesn't he, Boydie? Uh, he certainly mm. was was old school, but um, yeah, he, he's obviously played a big part in your in your rugby development. And then, you know, you, you you went into grade, and then uh, you found yourself in coaching. So you you never really wanted to be a coach, you were saying, but now you're obviously well entrenched in being a coach. Yeah, never. Like I, it didn't even. I just it, it it didn't do anything for me to think about you know coaching and. Um, it wasn't until the board sort of mentioned it to me and it was a part-time role. It was paying okay for part-time and sort of half did it because it was just a good little add-on to my full-time role that I was doing in the city. Yeah. And pretty much that first week, I fell in love with it. It was, yeah. it was amazing. It, it gave me everything that I was going to miss about footy without getting injured. You know, the only yeah. thing that I wasn't getting was the contact. Um, but yeah, just really fell in love with it. But for the first couple of years, I was thankful that East gave me a hybrid part coaching, part rugby ops. Sure. Because there was a period there where I thought, you know, rugby admin was, um, was something that I really wanted to do. And, 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 and I liked that part of it. it, it if it had some rugby into it, like, so if, if I, uh, which is sort of where some of the general manager going in now, like, I wouldn't mind being a general manager and, Still having some control over the recruiting and yeah, and like a sort of sort US style of GM. Hundred percent. That is exactly yeah what I was thinking about. You know, yeah. um, but, just, but, not but Ger- the just not Jerry Krause if you're watching the last dance. <laughs> Jerry Krause, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but yeah, the, the 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 coaching journey where it is now, it's just uh, it's something I'm passionate about now. And how was your experience um, heading over to the UK and getting a bit more of that higher level um, education? It was unbelievable. And I think it mm. came at the right time. I think yeah. if I went any earlier, it either would have gave, given me some false confidence or I would have tried to kickstart something that I wasn't ready to kickstart. Um, I find that if you bring something into a team environment, you've got to know the detail of it. Yeah. And I just wasn't that yet, you know, and... Um, I was really lucky that East gave me that opportunity and like I said, it just came at the right time where I was needing something a little bit fresh and heading to um, 
you know, Saracens and, and, and London Irish uh, were the two main ones. Mm. It was just a real good eye opener. I got some confidence, some some confidence out of it, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, really came back just you know wanting to get stuck into it. And so, um, yeah, those little trips. And the other thing as well, the coaches that I met there were just as open as anything. It was the most magical experience to mm. to see and witness that. You know. Yeah, it's it, that that whole information sharing thing is something I've noticed, especially out of New Zealand that. There is no secrets. It's all about application and um, the willingness to share information. I think Australia's have been a little bit late to the party on that kind of stuff and and sort of that coaching development piece. But I think we're starting to to get a bit more progressive. But yeah, the amazing how open all these coaches are. They don't. They're not hiding anything really. You don't yeah. think they are. I'm sure they got a few tricks up their sleeve. But it just seems to be that willingness to engage with all parties. I think they see the stronger everyone is that the, the better the code is you know yeah no 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 I, I definitely agree with that i actually was at saracens the week that the that all that news dropped um it was quite interesting with with their you know five million pound fine and uh, you know, yeah. they were going to get sent down and so i actually went yeah. up to the director of rugby and said look <laughs> uh in light of what's just happened i'm, I'm happy to go home uh, and he just said, mate, just come and experience it with us. You know, we haven't experienced it. Maybe you can learn something. Um, awesome. Yeah, so it was – no, it was really good. <laughs> awesome. Do you do you follow um, what sports and, and things around the world do you follow? Do you follow your uh, many American sports or English? Oh, mate, I'm just, I'm just rugby and NBA. I'm a really big yep. Laker fan. Uh, I jumped on that bandwagon a couple of uh, – in 2005 by accident. I actually – oh, no, 2007 – I one of my best mates is a he's a mad basketball fan. I thought I should get something in common with him, mm. and uh, I actually thought Shaq was still playing for the Lakers, and he was the only <laughs> guy I knew. <laughs> and I'm looking around for this guy, and I couldn't see him, and he'd been traded to the Heat. You got to the Heat, um, yeah, yeah. So I just thought, like, oh, look, I can't change now. And then obviously, learning about Kobe, and you know, really diving into that, it was just. I have a lot of – I apply a lot of basketball things to my rugby you know, in terms of player movement, ball movement. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it it opened – I don't know. I, I just think that in life things happen for a reason. And this basketball thing is magic for me. Like I – you wouldn't believe how much I intertwine both, you know, the basketball yeah. in – into my rugby stuff and then from that you get your your Kobe's like I've watched hours of Kobe Bryant mentality YouTube and application and yep. you know Phil Jackson's books you know yeah. Um, yeah so they're probably the only two things that I that I watch is um, yeah basketball and the rugby yeah basketball's a, it's a wonderful sport and, and you're right it's got so many of those great characters and it's such a deep sport if anyone's not watched the the Last Dance on Netflix, I definitely recommend that. It's very insightful, but, um, yeah, you're probably on a winner there. And you're right, it's a great cross-pollination between the two sports. I know that Brian Gorgian at the Kings Coast used to do a fair bit of work with the Waratahs about spatial movement and, and passing, yeah. but it's certainly a good sport to contrast with rugby. So, uh, yeah, awesome yeah. stuff. Mate, that's that's probably plenty enough. So, uh, you know, I guess it's all, um, all roads till July, hey? Yeah, that's it, mate. That is it, you know. But I just, yeah, I'm hearing that it could be earlier. Um, mm. And obviously, there's always the chat that it can be later. But, 
you know, certainly we've we've told our players that we're we're gunning for July twenty five, and there's a there's a draw out. There's there's a there's a draft draw out somewhere. Um, but yeah, we're all gunning for that. For that if game. there's a draft draw, Darren Coleman's got it. That's for sure. That guy's got everything before <laughs> anything happens. I think he wrote he he wrote it. Yeah, he would have wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he loves he loves a skewed draw, Darren, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. doesn't he? He's he loves it. it. He's a good man. He's told me he's coming on next week. He single-handedly blamed me for COVID, you know. <laughs> I just told him it was coming. I told him it was coming. He said, I don't need this negativity. And then the next week he goes, what have you done? There you go. It's just been an interesting time in our lives, hasn't it? It'll be something that we oh, look back it's, on. Mate, it's just this thing that just built up, built up, and then it's just yeah. all of a sudden it's the biggest thing in our lifetime. You know, someone said to me the other day, which was quite interesting, now that we've been into lockdown and experienced it, the next time something, it doesn't have to be this late that, that, that the government think, right, we need to go into lockdown. They'll just go, you know, this is what we're doing. You've been through it before. There's now, yeah. you know, and um, I found that interesting. You know, this might not be the last lockdown that we're a part of in our lives. Probably not. Probably not. But with a young family, mate, you're seeing some of the silver lining out of this whole experience? Oh, mate, Yeah. And some of the headaches. Oh, oh, mate. But, yeah, no, it it has been amazing, especially the first couple of weeks, you know, just to – there are some days where I have nothing to do, you know, like I I cannot watch any more footy. There's no more admin. And you just watch them, you know, and you sort of get lost in it and all the romantic things about having kids, you know, come out. It's been fantastic. But then, like you said, there are some days where I'm just praying for – (laughs) <laughs> a meeting, you know, and praying for John Murray to call me and say, mate, you've got to come to East right now. And, oh, totally. Uh, yeah. No, but oh, it's been great. Mate, that's gold. Mate, before you go, I'm doing a fast five. Yep, let's go. What are you watching on Netflix right now? Uh, the the Last Dance. Best pub in Sydney. Um, <laughs> what are you doing to me? Come um, on, the Sheaf. It's a typical Eastern Suburbs answer, fair enough. Uh, your favourite sports person of all time? Oh, look, it, it's my brother, but I'm going to give you an answer that you want, Kobe Bryant. Perfect. Who is the best player you've ever played with? My brother. Not Curtly. No, there was just something about playing with my brother. Have you played with your brother? Uh, in second grade, we loved and hated it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we, no, we did. We did have a good year in second grade, but uh, no, it was enjoyable. No, it, it was. It was lovely. Yeah, it was nice. It, yeah, it was just. I smile every time I think about it, mate. And yeah, Curtly was like he was. He was fantastic and great, and I'd do it all over again if I could. Yeah. But yeah, just playing with Sip and running out with him, and that was that. That that's a dream. That's God, a dream. you're a God, you're a nice brother. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but who are East beating in the grand final this year? I'd like it to be a really good team. You know, if we were going to win, how good would it be to to, to win against, you know, Sydney Uni with, with, with just everyone available for both teams? Yeah. And you're sitting there interchanging and going, we just did it. You know, we did that, playing against that team. And, yeah, that would be that would be fantasy. Come beautiful, true. beautiful. Paulie, thanks for jumping on Shootcast, mate. Really appreciate your input and uh, – We'll keep in touch as the season approaches us all. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much. 